Welcome back to Quick Bits for the week of June 27th through the 30th, because the previous week I was at VidCon. And if you want to hear more about that, it's over on my long form channel for our members where I am doing a behind the scenes. But today we are going to be talking about those ChatGPT lawyers getting sanctioned, all the newest out of Idaho, including the prosecution seeking the death penalty and what we're learning from the defense motions. And finally, there's an update in the TikTok defamation case. So stay tuned because it's time for the Quick Bits. I'm legal analyst Emily D. Baker. This is the Quick Bits, where I break down just the main points of the pop culture and entertainment cases I'm currently covering on YouTube and the Emily Show podcast. Let's get into it. This week, I released a special audio-only podcast on the Emily Show. If you haven't caught up with that yet, and you need a breakdown of Colin versus Cuthbert. It's one of my favorite cases that I've ever covered. It paved the way for food court, and it's absolutely a social media delight. That is on The Emily Show. Then we've got to talk about these chat GPT lawyers, the lawyers from New York who submitted, well, fake cases to a federal judge saying that those cases came from chat GPT and chat GPT had beguiled them. And well, Your Honor, we just couldn't find the cases. They were sanctioned $5,000, but the court also made them notify their client of all the problems and notify the judges who supposedly wrote the fake chat GPT cases. But the court laid them out on the record in this written ruling. The court brought the fire in their written ruling, starting it out with, quote, in researching and drafting court submissions, good lawyers appropriately obtain assistance from junior lawyers, law students, contract lawyers, legal encyclopedias, and databases such as Westlaw and LexisNexis. So the court came in hot with the good lawyers do this, y'all didn't. The court also points out other places where these attorneys willfully misled the court. Yeah, it's not good at all. I wonder if these lawyers will keep their licenses. And speaking of lawyers accused of things, a TikTok psychic is accusing the lawyers for a University of Idaho professor of conspiring to deprive her of her rights in the TikTok defamation case that is running alongside of the Idaho University murders case. The TikTok defamation case is something I've been covering quite a bit. It's a case that I'm very interested in. And the TikToker is representing themselves, which is always an interesting thing to see play out in court. But we are now post where the TikToker has answered and filed 11 counterclaims against the professor and the professor's attorneys, including defamation claims. I think a lot of those claims will get yeeted out of court because we are now at the motion to dismiss phase. And the professor and lawyers have made a motion to dismiss the 11 counterclaims and the TikToker responded. So I covered that in my live stream on Thursday. If you want to see the breakdown, here's the quick summary. The TikToker is arguing that they believe everything that they said about the professor. The professor is a serial killer and they just tripled down on everything they've said previously. The rest of my coverage for the week was on the University of Idaho murders cases. There are a lot of new documents that I hadn't covered, plus a discovery motions hearing 
And I broke down the hearing live on Thursday and the documents on Tuesday and Thursday. Of course, those are all timestamps. But just the quick bits for you right now. The prosecution is seeking the death penalty. Can they change their mind later? They technically could. I don't think they will in this case. Could that be taken off the table via something like a plea deal down the road? It could be, but I also don't see that happening in this case with the information that's publicly available. The court filed a new amended non-dissemination order, and it seems that the court is going to amend it again based on their statements at the hearing that I covered on Thursday. But the court denied the AP motions and the motions by Shannon Gray with regard to removing the non-dissemination order and instead just modified it. And that modified order says essentially what the other order said, that the prosecuting attorneys, defense attorneys, and their agents, as well as attorneys representing witnesses, victims, or victims' family, cannot make extrajudicial statements, written or oral, that the lawyer or agent knows or reasonably should know will have a substantial likelihood of materially prejudicing or otherwise influencing the outcome of the case. And then the court lays that out in more detail, but it echoes the rules of professional conduct in Idaho. I mean, and elsewhere, because it's all based on the model rules. We are also seeing a discovery fight heat up in Idaho over the DNA and specifically the genealogy DNA. How did the FBI narrow down from the DNA on the knife sheath button? How did they get from there to Brian Koberger? Because once they got to Brian Koberger and he was arrested, we know that they took DNA swabs of him and then directly matched those to the DNA on the knife sheath buckle button. But the argument is over that initial DNA. How did they make the family tree and go about the genealogy of it? And the state in their motion for protective order said, the FBI doesn't really have all that information anymore. And we've turned over everything that we have. And we heard that again in the discovery hearing on Thursday. The state says, we have turned over 51 terabytes of data we have turned over everything we have in our possession. And the defense said, yes, the prosecution's turned over everything that the attorneys have, but not everything that law enforcement has. And that's what they are seeking, more of what law enforcement has, which needs to be turned over. And the judge will have to rule on how much of the genealogical DNA investigation before they narrowed in on Koberger will be turned over because it seems that the defense is saying the state is hiding that trail, how they got from unknown DNA on the knife sheath to that being a family member of Brian Koberger or that DNA being within that family group of Brian Koberger and then getting to Brian Koberger's family's house and getting the DNA from his dad and then testing that. In the defense's objection, they also share additional information that indicates where they might be going with their arguments, including saying repeatedly that the knife sheath was placed next to one of the victims on her bed and placed button side down, partially under the victim, under the comforter, not dropped, not located, but placed, indicating to me that there is going to be some argument about where this knife sheath came from and was there any other DNA of the defendant in the home. And the defense tells us in their objection to the state's motion for protective order that there are no other DNA of the defendant, it seems, in the home, and that there is DNA of two other males um, that was within the house 
but that that has come back unknown and that there was a glove found outside the residence November 20th of 2022, and that is still unknown DNA. They also said that there is no connection between the defendant and the victims and that there is a, quote, total lack of DNA evidence from the victims in Koberger's apartment, office, home, or vehicle. So the defense is raising the question of not just what the evidence is and where this knife sheet came from, but also what the evidence isn't and what may be missing. No connection between the victims, no victim DNA. The defense is saying at the apartment, office, home, or vehicle. It raises more questions than it answers about this case, and this case still has a very long way to go. But that is everything I covered much, much more fulsomely over on my long-form channel. Hopefully the rundown on the quick bits this week helped. I will be off again for 4th of July, so I will be back in another week. We're going every other week right now because it's, you know, it's summertime. So I will see you again in the quick bits in a week. So thanks for being here. Thanks for being a law nerd. Bye. For deep dives into the stories that I covered here, you can find them on my YouTube channel at The Emily D. Baker and The Emily Show Podcast. I stream every Tuesday and Thursday. The podcast goes live on Wednesdays. And if you want more Law Nerd community, come join us at lawnerdsunite.com. 